Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Strategy Hour podcast. We are here. We're super excited to dive in today. We asked our community a couple of weeks ago for ideas for what you guys wanted to hear about. And I just want to remind you guys that we are always open to suggestions for topics. So if you have a burning question or a topic that you want us to cover or just something you want to be nosy about, please don't hesitate to let us know over in our Facebook group or DM us directly on Instagram at Boss Project. You can just message us and say, can you please talk about, and chances are we've probably done an episode like it, so we can send you a link to it because we have over 300 episodes. But also it's very likely that we maybe need to update that topic or it's something brand new we haven't talked about. So nothing is off the table. I hope you guys know we are an open book. You can literally ask any nosy question you've ever wanted to hear us riff about and give you behind the scenes look. So don't hesitate to do that. But the one that we're going to chat about today is hot topic, right? And I'm super excited to dive in because I actually feel like I have actionable strategies and, and tips for you guys to take away. So the question is, how can we have a conversation about privilege and inclusion and about the ways we can invite other women to the table? And I feel like we've definitely had uh, some version of this conversation on the podcast before in various ways. We've talked a little bit about like, what does community over competition actually mean? And is it true? Or is it a myth? We've talked about, you know, being inclusive within our own company and our own products and offers and events and whatever. But specifically today, I want to talk about our efforts and ones that you can literally copy and paste that we we're very deliberate about implementing in regards to our summit and the speakers who we choose to have there, what strategies you can take away when you are inviting other people to the table. And something that came up recently that I just want to share kind of unfold. And I really liked how it went down. So you guys can steal this. I know I'm definitely going to. When you see something that makes you feel kind of icky, what to do about it, how to properly really open up those conversations and, you know, maybe see some progress. So you ready? Yeah. Well, and I will say for those of you who get uncomfortable, even just talking about the uncomfortable, know that you're not alone. And that means that you have work to do. And that means that you have things to process and think through. And I know this has been a topic that I personally have struggled with, mostly because I've always been in the camp of just like never wanting to offend anyone. And so even in the process of trying to be more inclusive, 
have worried about offending more people in the process, which it's just, you know, it's a catch 22. There's just nothing you can do about it. But like with anything in business, and what I want to remind you guys listening is that you only know what to do better by doing. You're going to make a thousand mistakes. And I think that one of the biggest misconceptions about tackling the conversation about inclusivity and diversity in and of itself is that you're going to get it right every time. And that we put so much pressure on ourselves that you're going to get it perfectly and you're not going to mess up and you so badly don't want to mess up. So you're going to try not to mess up, but you're always going to mess up. And so I've messed up. Abby's messed up. You've messed up. Like we're going to keep making those mistakes. But I think the difference is that recognizing that it's okay that you keep making them because you're going to learn from them and you're going to make better decisions next time. That's the only thing that I ask of every single one of you listening. Now, in terms of what is diversity, I think so often people tend to decide that it's one version of this conversation and know that this conversation can happen in so many different ways. I think people tend to get really caught up on what it means in terms of race, but I also think gender and sexuality is massive and know that it, I mean, it comes in all shapes and sizes, political views, like literally it could be anything and everything. And I think it's important that what we do is attempt to represent as many people as possible without like feeling like you're trying to cross a checked box off. Like one of the big things that Emily and I talked about it in terms of, you know, putting together a speaker lineup for a summit is we never wanted it to feel like, well, they checked their token Asian box or they have their one gay guy. Like, and I, and please, if I say the wrong words at any time during this, know that I have the best of intentions, but I never wanted that to be how you felt. And so what we did is we tried to make sure that a percentage of our lineup was diverse and how we filled up the diversity didn't really matter to us. We wanted amazing speakers. Like that was the whole point. We wanted to bring in new business owners that maybe you hadn't heard of before or interacted with, or maybe we hadn't even interacted with. Another part of our inclusivity is we decided at the very beginning that there, there would be people that maybe our entire audience has never heard of, or maybe this was the first time this person was even educating or speaking about something, but they were really, really good at something, or they had a great personality or a great you know, way to connect. And so we looked at a lot of different you know, diverse factors that didn't come down to, well, you need a certain size audience, or you need to be in business this long, or you need to make this amount of money. Uh, like We had people speaking all across the board. Five followers. Uh, I don't know. I was going to say 500,000 and that's not true. Probably not. I don't think we had anyone with that many followers. Maybe some of our sponsors. I'm trying to think. No, we didn't. No, she didn't speak. She was on the podcast. Anyways, doesn't matter. I think from the very beginning, we, we set out, and I think this is a takeaway that a lot of you can have, is we truly wanted an amazing, well-rounded experience for our attendees. And the only way that you get that is by looking outside of your circle. I know as an attendee myself of many summits, conferences, events, whatever, how boring it gets when every year you see the same names featured. And it feels like the same like inner circle of friends being allowed to do 
whatever it is, right? And I hated that as someone who sometimes was even invited to some of those stages. It didn't feel good for me. And so I did not want and continue to not want as we are prepping for another summit and other things that we have going on here for our audience and our people to feel that way either. So in in terms of like, how do we do that? I think one, we would limit the amount of people we know to be on any one roster. We will bring back speakers from previous summits, but again, try to limit that so that there's a lot of new faces coming in the door. And then we rely on the people and other speakers to give us awesome references. And I mean, we also take people that email us and pitch themselves to be a part of what it is that we're doing. But oftentimes it's a friend of a friend of a friend, and it may be someone we've never heard of, but they just are so talented. And, and that's really the point. Like we want people that are going to be able to share you know, topics that you guys are crazy interested in, things that are really going to help move your business forward. And they might be totally things that you're not even considering at this point. Like, for instance, while this woman was white at our last conference, her topic in my mind was so specific that I think a lot of people would have like written her off as like not able to add to the conversation. She talked about selling antique diamonds online. And while that seems so specific, I know that she was really able to bring a lot to the conversation in terms of how do you sell something that's high end on the internet and gain trust from people. And so like, I just think diversity can come in all shapes and sizes. I think like, let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room though of like, okay, if you are a white person you're generally surrounded by the majority of people who looked, act, and think like you. That that's that's regardless of what race you are. But in this scheme of inviting other women to the table, extending the invitation, opening up doors, what does that actually look like? I think that there's been, you know, so many conversations around this in the sense of there's one camp that feels like, you know, that age old, like, well, I didn't I didn't know of anyone to invite to the table or no one applied or it's hard to find people that fit this bill or whatever. And frankly, like I've said it before on the show and and to many people, like that is 100% the cowardly easy way out of every conversation like this. It is going to take work on your part to find a diverse and inclusive panel for whatever it is that you're looking. We're just going to use our summit as the example, but insert whatever it is that you're trying to fulfill in your own space. And the fact of the matter is like, it, it might be harder. It might take more time. You might be building relationships. So what? Like it is so worth it, not only for you as a person, but for the quality of the material that you're bringing to your audience, that especially if you come from a place of privilege you have to put in that time and work. It's non-negotiable. And so what does that look like for us? That looks like we spend, like I truly feel like a scout sometimes. We spend so much time on Instagram and in other people's groups, looking at websites, looking at feeds, looking at businesses for months and months. Like truly it's never ending throughout the year because we have, we'll have three summits total for this year, literally scouting talent. 
And so sometimes I go on this like Instagram rabbit hole of there's a business that I follow over here, or I got referred to this person over here and I really like what she's going. And then I watch her stories and then, oh my gosh, she tagged this person in, in her stories who is a coach over here. And then I follow her because she's super interesting. And it just built this whole like chain of events where I am building my network of people who don't look like me. And it's, it starts like with one, right? And so that starts to expand out. And then naturally, I think this is so obvious, but we forget that this is what happens when we build relationships and start to genuinely like broaden our horizons is that we do make connections and we do make legitimate friends and relationships online. And it's through those referrals and it's through those connections where even more doors are opened, right? We, Abby mentioned earlier, but we make sure when we, for our summit, we hop on a call with our speakers and we do like their intro and we chat with them and what's your topic going to be about or whatever. And when we wrap up that conversation, we specifically ask every single speaker, who do you think should speak at our next summit? Like, who do you want to hear from? Who should we talk to? And generally those people are like brimming with referrals of like, you know, three to four or five recommendations of their friends, their connections, people that they know and love. And I absolutely love using that as a resource because it's so easy for us to just get like boxed in our own inner circle of who we learn from, who we follow, who we read, whatever it may be. And I think that that more than anything is the thing that's really helped me open up who I'm, you know, learning from and reading from and following. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I know for me, one of the things that I have, you know, tried to learn and do my best to represent in our business outside of the summit is what are we doing with the images that we use to represent our brand? And I say that because as two white women running a company, it would be very easy to either only ever show photos of ourselves or only represent women like us because the majority of photography that's out there that's easily available is of people who look like us right and And that's an underrepresented field if you are a photographer for the love of god create more stock images of people of color please and different sizes for the love yeah definitely different sizes i know when we decided to put together our big photo shoot at the beginning of the year. That was one of the things we really focused on is how can we represent diversity in color and diversity in size? Because, you know, as a woman who spent most of her adult life plus size, I felt even underrepresented in images. And by no means I understand I'm still a white woman. So like, I I still have a ton of privilege and I get that. But what else can I do to make people feel more comfortable? And that was really important to us. And so we we got these women in and, you know, it'd be easy to stick them in the background and it'd be easy to just have them in the corner or doing this out or the other. But we took so many images of them and them alone because we wanted them to be something that we could showcase because they're beautiful and important and they have amazing things to say and amazing things to add to the world. And I, I, th- I think it's been awesome. Like I know when we started promoting our summit, some of our speakers were like, we realize that in your images, you represented about the ratio of what the speaker lineup is, but our audience is like literally the opposite. And so one of the speakers had an audience that was like, I would say at least 80 to 90% black. Oh, and yeah. maybe even more than that. 
And so we came back and we did everything we could to come back with beautiful images and custom graphics for her and her audience. So her audience would feel comfortable even signing up for something like this. Well, and that's not something on the checklist for us to just automatically provide for the next summit. We, we provided diverse images in the beginning, but now more. Like if we're asking people who have a majority of audience that doesn't look like us or ours or whatever, like we need to supplement with collateral that works for that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just about like taking those tiny tweaks and like little tiny learning lessons, but then actually doing something different about it next time. I think so many of us are like, okay, cool, cool, great. I learned that lesson. And then like, we're not actually active about providing ourselves an opportunity to implement that lesson in the future. And I think that that's super important. I wanted to talk about something I saw in stories happen the other day that I think I 100% am going to utilize moving forward because I saw a great example of how it can work beautifully. And I think that this is probably a question that a lot of us have had before. So I know that in, in this specific industry, like the creative industry, there are conferences and summits and retreats and yada, yada, where there are constantly lineups that come out where you're like, wow, you guys did not even try to be inclusive whatsoever. And it sucks. It sucks for me to see that as someone comes who's coming from an immense place of privilege. And so if that feels icky to me, I have to put myself in the shoes of people who are constantly underrepresented and, and try to even grasp at what that might feel like. And so from that, I not only have to understand that those feelings are felt differently, but I have to acknowledge my space of privilege that enables me to actually do something about it. And if I know the the organizer of that event, or if I know someone who's speaking at that event, or whatever it may be, what are some connections that I can rely on to try to make change happen immediately or in the future? So the example that I want to share with you guys, and I'm not going to name any names, I'm not going to name the conference, I'm not going to name the people who are involved, but I saw in stories a friend of mine who was so excited, rightfully so, to be a speaker at this amazing conference or event. And so she shared that she was going to be a speaker. And then she shared like a story graphic of the speaker lineup. And this is like the 18th billionth time this has happened. The speaker lineup is like 99% white. And you can tell that they really legitimately just did not even try to find anyone outside of that realm to speak at this conference. And it frustrated me. It was annoying that here we are yet again. And I am like the last, like I... I'm not even going to speak on like the level of frustration that everyone else is feeling. So I know it is not the same. Here we are again. You know, I feel like, you know, it's 2019. Like it's so 2018 to have a non-diverse lineup. You know what I mean? Where I feel like this has been talked about so many times with some pretty big names that I thought maybe like change was just going to continue to happen. And that's just not the case. So in my like, watching her stories and kind of sitting with like, okay, what can I do about this? How can I actually make change happen? How can I like still value this relationship and like come across kind and generous and understanding, but also frustrated? Like, how do I marry all of those feelings that I'm having right now? And so I sat and thought about it, but literally that afternoon I was watching on stories again, another person, a friend of mine's account, she said, and I don't know if she was even talking about the same conference or the same person. But she mentioned, hey, so I wanted to share with you guys like who are interested in being good allies and are interested in good in being, you know, 
extending the invitation to other people. Here's something that I did today. I saw a friend of mine announce that she was going to speak at a conference and I looked at the lineup and it wasn't diverse and it felt icky to me. So I reached out to my friend personally and let her know, like, this is how I'm kind of feeling about this situation. Can we talk about, you know, what this means for you, what this means for us, what this means for this conference? Like, is there a solution here at hand? And so she basically shared her experience that the friend that she reached out to was super open and honest and shared with her some of her thoughts. And I guess she had already kind of talked to the conference about some of the things. Here's what the conference said. Here's what everyone was doing. And I'm not sure if it was like actually fixed or settled. But my point being is don't be afraid to start those conversations. Don't be afraid to like send that message of just saying, hey, you know, this made me super uncomfortable. How can I help you in finding a solution to do this? Because it is our job, if we come from a place of privilege, to work with other people who also come from a place of privilege to do this type of work, like period. It just is. And so I really appreciated that example and that it, the communication worked smoothly, even if it is uncomfortable and awkward. So next time I can feel enabled to go ahead and like send that message and speak what was on my mind for resolution. Well, and if you're struggling with perhaps the words you might need to be using, because in some of these cases of diversity, we, by simply using a different word, we can become more inclusive in our language. And I have always I mean, English is hard, guys. <laughs> and so <laughs> I honest, sometimes I don't have necessarily I just don't think about it. I just I just write the way I write and I'm done and I move on. But I've tried to be more conscious of the words that I'm using as well. And one of our friends that I think is incredibly good at this is Mason Aid. They has worked so hard to have more inclusive language specifically for the LGBTQ community. Mason has so much education on it and is honestly, if you just strike up a conversation, Mason's going to like friendly and welcoming and understanding. And like, so they spoke at our last summit on exactly this on like how to watch your words and be inclusive in your copy and your business and your brand. And that's just one tip of the iceberg on some truly in-house, behind the scenes, very easy changes you can make that set you off on a better foot. And so if, if you're having to kind of chisel this away, like one, you know, invitation at a time, right? That This is such an easy place to start. Well, and I, I found that for me, I had to start this process at home, like not it, it couldn't be, I mean, business, awesome, like, let's do it. But I had to start changes in my own house. That's where it's, like, that is literally where where it should start, where it needs to start, where it has to start, and where it has to continue, period. Right, right. And so sometimes that means having hard and awkward conversations with my spouse when yes. when he says things that I think are completely inappropriate. Honestly, I would say 98% of the time, he's never trying to offend anyone, but he, and and that's fine. But like, let's talk about your privilege and let's talk about how that's not okay. I've also changed. I mean, I grew up, first of all, I grew up in the Midwest, which is, you know, typically super conservative, but I also grew up going to a Catholic 
grade school and high school. And religion takes a long time to see change happen. And I know there was, I mean, a lot has happened in the last decade with the Pope and everything. But even still, I felt like I was in an oppressive community, even as someone of faith. And so I had to seek out a new church in which I felt not only I felt welcome, but I felt that my friends and family would feel welcome and people that aren't like me would feel welcome. And so I very specifically sought out a church that like had those values and like that is their number one thing. Like they want everyone to feel welcome at all times, even to the point of inviting non-religious and nominally religious people because oftentimes walking into a church can feel like it can feel hard for so many people all on its own. So I think making small steps like that of like, if you notice that you're, you're in a space or in an organization or in a group of people or in whatever, and they are not consciously seeking change or they're not consciously making an effort to make it better Either you need to strike up that cause within the group or organization, or it may make sense for you to leave said group or organization. I I honestly think if the Junior League of Kansas City hadn't start started their diversity movement, I would have left because it is a primarily white women with privilege organization and there's still a lot of work there's been some amazing stuff out in the leagues in california that i'm can't wait to trickle down into old missouri but yeah same thing so i know it's hard i know sometimes it's uncomfortable i know that you might have a lot still to learn and you might end up in a situation where like me, <laughs> where you, uh, well, yes, definitely where you mess up. But I was going to say where you end up um, in a situation where like, for me, Emily, like this is top of mind for her all the time. And so sometimes I'm uncomfortable right, with her because I just don't, I not that I choose not to think about it, but it's just not something I'm constantly searching for. And so check yourself. Like yeah. I have to do that a lot. Yeah. And it yeah. is there a One reason my, those weird or awkward feelings are coming up? Right. Is it something you need to change or is right. it that you have just been ignoring something? Right. Cause One ignorance my, is just as bad. A hundred percent, if not worse, literally. One of my favorite red table talks, I had to see if I can find the link for you guys. I shared about it on my stories a while ago because it was exactly what Abby was talking about a little bit earlier that this conversation starts at home. It starts at your dinner table. It starts at, at the books you read to your kids, people you follow on Instagram, the organizations that you're that you choose to be a part of where you give your money, but it starts in super super small places like the dinner table. I think so many people look at these types of conversations and are like, I'm not ready to like call people out on Instagram and I'm not ready to write a think piece on Medium about, you know, my experiences. And no one is asking you to. But what we are asking you to, because it is 100% doable, is like what Abby was saying. If If your mom says something funky, call that shit out. If there's an article that you read that encompasses something that you feel or believe or that your family needs to understand, send it. 
I do that shit all the time. It's so easy to make those very small intentional conversation starters or decisions within your own circle and your own community, because that ripple effect is far greater than you think. And I think we often think that like, if we can't have this big impact, like we're not going to change something like legislation or, you know, public opinion or whatever, because that is daunting. And like, you're, you're probably not. But if you really just truly think about what if there was one ally in every small little dinner table and community around the world, having these types of conversations, and then those people have conversations with their coworkers about it or their friends. And it just starts this like wider movement of just being aware of what's going around. And I think that that is far more powerful than any of us give credit. And it's so simple for us to do. So one of the places that I would suggest starting if this feels new for you or this feels like a lot is, first of all, like understand that being ignorant is no longer an option. And step one, I believe, is to listen. Because these people are already saying things, but you're choosing to ignore them or you're choosing to not put yourself in a circle or situation where you would hear them. Like you've literally put up your own guards, whether you realize it or not. (laughs) Exactly. Because you can. Because you can. Not because you should, but because you can. And so step one of like making conscious decisions towards this especially when you feel like you have a lot to learn, is literally just listen. I'm not saying you have to comment back on these posts. I'm not saying you I'm have to share them yet. you shouldn't. <laughs> For sure. Listen. Shut your mouth and listen. Because it's mm-hmm. harder to sit in uncomfortable realizations. And then ask yourself, from what you just learned, what can you personally do differently next time? Like so many of these spaces that I'm in and that I'm learning in, especially if they're if they're centered around race, because if you guys don't know, I'm white, my daughter is black. And so I've done years now of intense, intense education and learning and to make her environment safe, to make literally keep her alive and keep her aware and and make her feel safe and welcome in the places that she lives and breathes and, and enjoys. And so of course that's opened up a lot of doors for me of, of learning, right? But the one, the huge, biggest thing that I've learned over the years is that those spaces, while they might exist for me to be a fly on the wall and learn and read and soak in, they do not exist for me to share my opinion in. They do not exist for me to speak up in, to wave my my ally flag or anything. They exist for me to learn and do work internally and on my own. I cannot expect like so much emotional labor and time that's already being spent on so many articles, Instagram accounts, YouTube channels, books everywhere. There's so many resources that's already done for me, oftentimes for free. (laughs) And so I have to then do like my own emotional labor and work uh, within myself and my community. You have the steps and just to review, let's work on not being ignorant which means we have to listen and then make conscious decisions and starting those at home. And then if you are in a place where you're feeling ready to start making more conscious decisions around how you're inviting people into your business, into working with you, into 
like your circle of influence, do it. Like you, there's nothing wrong with starting and messing up. I can't even tell you how many conversations I've walked into. And I literally give a disclaimer at the beginning. I'm still learning. If I say something, know that I'm not and my intentions are good. And please correct me because I do want to learn. And I can't tell you how many people have been impressed by that or excited to hear that and like so loving and caring and walking me through the process that I felt you know, really cared for throughout this thing. And I feel like it's which I don't hear for you. Like if we oh, had for sure. literally, if we had recorded this exact episode a year ago, like you would have been so awkward just because you were still learning and new and whatever and saying things. And I feel like you have, you've done great work participating in this conversation and having action steps because you've been doing that work on your own. It takes time. It takes learning. But like Abby said, like there's, there is no option anymore for you to not participate in this conversation. There just isn't. Know that you're going to mess up. And I wanted to say one more thing. A lot of stuff that I've learned too, and I mentioned this at the beginning of like, you're not going to get it perfectly. You're going to mess up, blah, blah, blah. When Abby's saying like, recognize that you're being ignorant because we all are. And there's a choice in staying ignorant. And there's a choice in trying to learn things and do better next time. But I also like as harsh as the word ignorant sounds, and I use it a lot. Like when I'm frustrated with something like traffic, I'm like, that's ignorant. It's my like curse word of choice these days. But truly, like, don't let that term have such a negative impact. I am still so ignorant. Like, you wouldn't believe. And I think if we constantly are chasing this level of like, oh, just because I'm an ally, that means I'm not ignorant anymore. Or that means I'm not homophobic or racist or this, that, or the other. That is just simply not true. It's just not. There is no, like, you just cannot escape that. And there is no, like level that gets to ding when we get to be this awesome ally where, you know, you're great now and you're never going to mess up and you're this perfect resource. That is just not a thing. And so if, if we stop, I think I was chasing that for a long time. I was, you know, considered myself such a great ally and I've done a lot of work my entire life in this realm, in high school and college, et cetera, with groups that I'm in, with stuff that I do, but there is no, A, there's no ending to that. The, the work is always there. And I'm still constantly learning and reshifting my own levels of ignorance in various aspects. And so I've long ago let go of, of that being a reality of something that I can accomplish and then be done. Being an ally is, is action. You cannot sit on the sidelines and be an ally. That is not a thing. Ask yourself what action steps you can truly be taking, tiny or not, doesn't matter extend those invitations, learn things, follow new people, do the work because you need to and you have to. And it pays off immensely. I hope this is helpful. <laughs> I hope we provided some action steps on at least behind the scenes on what we do, you know, to try to be better here. And there's constantly- I, will, I, I have to say one more thing about yeah. it. Though, because So I feel like part of the reason we waited so long to talk about this is we never want our action to feel forced and we never want it to feel like we're going so hard for this thing that you should notice. Right. right. Yes. No, that's a great like, point. I don't, I, I, if you didn't notice that we had a diverse lineup. Great. Amazing. Great. Great. That's, that means you are doing good work because 
we we don't say look at our diverse lineup or check out our line no like those aren't words we're using intentionally and we like had a conversation about that because we're like do we need what no we don't like we're making we're making decisions and we're making and they're not perfect every time and it's not like it's this percentage or this quota or this whatever like and so if you didn't notice i'm so glad great <laughs> yes yes 100% that's a good point. I think don't do don't do this for the accolades and the and the praise because you don't deserve it. <laughs> none of us none of us doing this work deserve anything for doing the pretty much the absolute bare minimum, like to be honest. So, do it because you know that you should and it makes you a better person. But yeah, I hope that you didn't notice anything <laughs> and that when we finally had some strategies that you could actually take away is when we finally started talking about this. So thanks for the question in our Facebook group. You guys, please don't hesitate to send us an email, comment in the Facebook group, DM us over on Instagram at Boss Project with your ideas for future episodes. We take those very seriously and can't wait to hear from you. Bye. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com.